0: Good buddy
1: good oh. good you got the recording
0: yeah, yeah, it's recording now, and okay, I think cool. I'm, gonna, I'm gonna send it live to uh,
2: uh
0: send it live to youtube cool uh, even though my videos have been getting pulled recently, I don't know yeah. why yeah all right do, 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 do' the back setting of this
2: uh it's, that's totally up to you bud uh, What time is it there? okay Better for the pod. What?
0: Okay. Well, it's not letting me run it on YouTube. Let me see if I can do it. I mean, if anything, I have it, I have it recording, so we can okay. still take It back. tells
1: me we're live. It says we're live? Yeah, that's what it tells me on, on the Zoom.
0: Huh. <clears throat> What's
1: your channel? The NotCast?
0: Uh, uh, comedian Scott Wharton. It's just, my, uh, it's just like my comedy channel.
2: I'll try and care. Ah.
0: <clears throat> I think I got it running live from my Facebook now, Cassius. Facebook? Yeah, okay, cool. Yeah, so it's not it's not showing up on the
1: YouTube page, but uh, oh yeah, I just got a tag on Facebook, so it looks like we're rocking.
0: Yeah, yeah, I think so. Uh right, share this cool. real quick. Great. Here we go. Great, good, grand. <laughs> <All right>. Tremendous.
1: Perfect.
0: <laughs> right. That's nice whole studio setup you got there, bud
1: thanks dude yeah it's uh i figured i'd put something up behind me just to spice it up a little bit
0: right you know? right you can't go wrong it. with uh kiss and joey diaz and peter griffin
1: can't complain man yeah the, the cu- little custom seth mcfarland piece never hurt anybody
0: <laughs> yeah so that's done that's autographed by seth mcfarland
1: Yeah, so the autograph is like custom to me, and it says, I think, 108 out of 300. So he just did 300 of the drawings, but the the autograph is personalized. So
0: That's really cool, man. That's really cool. How old are you now, Cassius? You started doing this when you were, what, like 12? (laughs) I
1: started doing it when I was like, yeah. I was like almost 10 type of thing, man. I'm 21 now. So, yeah, I've been in it for the long haul for sure, dude. What about you, if you don't mind me asking?
0: Uh, I just... I just started not too long ago. I think I did my first one like last April, and then I took a long okay. hi- hiatus because I didn't really have anywhere to do them. And then um, I met this guy EK with FXBG Public Radio, and he had this nice setup. And uh, you know, he was offering me fairly cheap. You know what I mean for time. Sorry, my camera's here, <laughs> but but your face is here. So that's no, it's why cool. I'm, uh,
1: it's like documentary style, you're looking you know the other way, and we're just getting that that take
0: yeah, right but uh i started I started it back up again in like probably about November
1: nice okay I started, so and i've know, been
0: and I've been consistent going for it. yeah, 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 and I've been consistent since then. I've been trying to go every week, at least put one out every week
1: yeah dude definitely at least once a week is the key like it's really really tough to do it daily like i mean the people who do it daily usually have like a fucking hired crew and like a studio type thing like adam carolla unless you just really have the luxury where that's like you can put your time into just that but even weekly it takes a lot of time i I don't know how long it takes for you but for me at least it does
0: yeah i know yeah it's there's a lot more that goes into it than people realize you know what i mean and i want to make sure that i'm on my game a little bit when i go to record I don't want to be, I don't want to be half-assed, you know? Definitely, man. Yeah. I
1: I always try to get myself into a certain space before I go on, Um, you know, just, just basic stuff. But it's also cool, I guess, when you can just catch the spur of the moment, natural reactions too. I also like that stuff. And I know you do, you do a lot of that stuff, like from what I've seen on Facebook, when you go on, it, it seems to be very conversational, you know?
0: Yeah. That's how I like it to be. I, I, I want to keep it as natural as possible. Now there's definitely times where somebody comes on and I'm like, all right, I want to talk to them about these certain things. Mm -hmm. But for the most part, I like to just keep it like a conversation. Uh, Like, like I did the swap cast with Freddie Correa and Mm -hmm. we've never really talked before that much. So it was just like a getting to know each other phone call for an hour. And it turned out to be a great podcast.
1: Do you meet a lot of people from the church
0: group and then like start friendships with them outside of the group? Yeah. Oh yeah, definitely. Definitely. Same Um, here, dude. I don't know. We just all seem to like, we just all seem to connect and click already. You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? So there's, it almost seems pointless not to do that.
1: Yeah. Yeah, definitely, man. It's, it's like if you're church approved, you're good people. Like I don't have to worry about going to a city and meeting somebody from the church and like something weird happening. Like, you know, that's, that's unwanted. You know, we, we might, you know, eat, eat 500 milligrams each and fucking <laughs> get weird that way, but fucking that's about
0: it. Yeah. 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 You went to Vegas and saw Freddie, didn't you?
1: Yeah, man. I went out to Vegas. Shout out Freddie, shout out Lizzie. Um, great people, man. And yeah, me and my pops were out there and we, we met up with them and we went out for some food or some Argentinian food, I believe. And, uh, we did the podcast out there on the, the patio of the restaurant. And, uh, like we never met before, but we talked like we did his podcast when I was quite a bit younger and all that stuff. Um, but it was really cool. And honestly, I got to tell you, that's one of my favorite things about podcasting in general. And um, uh, just about like this community is that you get to travel and in almost every city. There's going to be somebody from that community. It goes out to the Netherlands. It goes out to all these places. So it's just a beautiful thing that's, that's been created and it's almost become bigger than any podcast, if that makes any sense, it's sort of become its own community in that way.
0: Yeah. And I love that. I love that. It has really become its own community, its own kind of family and a great network. Because like you said, it's like, it's like we're already pre-approved to, you know, to link up and meet each other. You know, that when you go meet these people, it's not going to be something fucky.
1: Exactly, dude. That's the thing. And I, I also love that in like the church, like Rogan. Well, I guess the church community is a lot smaller so I guess the Rogan community is a lot more mainstream. But the people, the bad ones are weeded out. The bad people are weeded out. The people who cause trouble, you know, it happens. It seems to happen quick. So there's also that aspect to it, too. Where are you located, by the way?
0: I'm in uh, Virginia on the East Coast. Where are you at?
1: I'm out here in Edmonton, Canada. So Western Canada.
0: Okay, okay. That's north of uh, Washington, right? Get out
1: of here. Yeah, yeah, because I'm an hour flight from Vancouver, BC, and then you're right next to Colorado, Washington, all that stuff, like right at the border type of thing.
0: Okay, cool. Yeah, you don't really have like a thick Canadian accent, or at least what is typically thought of as a Canadian accent.
1: Yeah, honestly, man, I I don't really – I was talking about this with my friend yesterday, so it's kind of funny, and he's the same way. We were talking about how we don't really fall in with that typical stereotype of Canadians um but i would say a very large percent of the population does and it's not not necessarily a negative thing but it's just interesting because there's such a small distinction i can't put my finger on what it is but like i was watching jeff ross's live where he was insurosing people and there was a lot of people from like manitoba and different parts of canada and they sounded so canadian i was like they sound canadian to me (laughs) right i definitely understand the stereotype like
0: it does exist yeah 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 um no that's i kind of feel the same way about where i'm from because I'm. I went to high school with people, and they talk like this. You know, Daytona 500, NASCAR. Put my <laughs> lip, put my tobacco in my lip. Like, I'm like, dude, we grew up five miles from each other. Why do you sound like that? Right. You know Same I mean?
1: areas, but such a difference.
0: Yeah, yeah. So I, I kind of, uh, I kind of relate to that too, Cassius. I feel like I don't fit in around where I'm from. You know what I mean? Like, I'm not, yeah. a, I'm not a country boy. I'm not a redneck.
1: No, that totally makes sense. And it's 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 weird, like when I have gone to the States, and I've had very limited experiences there. And also, like, I feel like Vegas isn't a great representation of the rest of the States, at least from where, how I see it, because I feel like it's almost its own universe in a way, like, things are very different in Vegas, um, in terms of everybody being friendly, and it's such an international city. Um, I just think that there's qualities that it's is unique to just there, but at least even in Florida, like I felt at home, man, like I was like, you know, I feel like this is the kind of stuff that I'm rocking with, but I got uh, obviously love for my home country, and it's a beautiful country, um and you know, I'll always live here in some way, shape or form, so uh
0: I believe that is true about Vegas that because of the the international kind of uh city that it is, because of the party lifestyle. That it is an anomaly mm-hmm. in that way, and that people are probably much friendlier and stuff because it's a tourist town. You want people to come back, so the the economy of your town is good. Yeah, exactly, and
1: and you know that's a good thing, and that's what makes it makes it what it is, and it makes it such a welcoming place. It's almost hard not to feel at home there if you like it at all, because there's something just for everybody. Um, but at that same note, you know that's why I'm cautious of basing how I fit in in the States based off how I fit in in Vegas. Cause again, it's, it's hard not to fit in in Vegas. If you have any po- remotely popular interests.
0: Right, right, right. It's, um, it's kind of like you and Freddie were talking about when you guys were talking about doing stand up and not letting them know that it's your first time doing mm-hmm. stand up Cause it, then it's like, they're going to give you that bias. Yeah. So
1: yeah. Kinda, and that's what I did.
0: So it's like, you don't want to base your experience Visiting the USA on that Las Vegas bias. You know what I mean?
1: Mm-hmm. Does it's that like, make basing, sense? yeah, well, yeah, it's like if you go in, in front of 200 people and they say, okay, everybody, this is his first time doing stand up, you're not going to base your uh, judgment on how friendly audiences are based on that, because that's a completely false thing yeah. to base it on in a way. So it's, yeah, it's elevated. Uh, it's more catered to everyone. Um, but yeah, so I'm, that's why I'm definitely curious to see la and new york because that's that's back to back what i'm going to do as soon as it's safe and legal of course
0: (laughs) so are you planning on making those trips once this coronavirus mess kind of lifts yeah man
1: i was planning on doing it before and uh it just sort of got kiboshed um i was probably going to be out there around this period of time like i started putting a couple things in place like about four or five months ago, I put like this microphone here and like some gear on a payment plan. And I said, I want to get my gear going, generate some content with it. And then I want to go on a trip to LA. Um, so yeah, so I mean, hey, I'm still doing the first part of it. Uh, we're all just doing what we can, I guess. But yeah, definitely the next step is LA, meet meet with some connections out there. Um, and also just get my bearings. Like, <clears throat> I think it's going to help because I have a lot of uh, a lot of different things that I'm interested in and in terms of the entertainment industry so i think it's going to help narrow down on maybe what i want to focus on if that makes sense
0: yeah 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 i think having that eclectic taste and that wide variety that wide range will help you man for sure cuz it doesn't it doesn't yeah. you're not pigeonholing yourself you know what i mean it's true and it's difficult
1: it's difficult in a place like where i'm at because you know it's a big sports city we have a lot going on but it's not a huge Um, I'm going to say independent art city because Edmonton has a huge comedy scene and a huge music scene, but you don't just see photographers everywhere taking pictures and you don't see people doing podcasts and shoots. When, when people see that type of stuff, independent shoots, it's sort of looked at weird. Um, and even in a place like Vancouver, still in Canada, it opens up so much everywhere. There's photographers, there's people, you know, doing their videos, doing GoPro edits. And, um, just when people are more susceptible to what you're doing and there's like more of a palette to draw from, I think it makes that easier. When you're the only person doing some stuff, it's almost hard to get any gauge of of uh, what it's like, if that makes sense.
0: Yeah, yep, yeah, 100%, 100%. Because you're, you're a one-horse town, kind of, in that sense. And it's like, how do yeah. you know how good that horse is if there's no other horses to compare it to?
1: That's the thing, man. It's like, I, I was like basically the only known podcasts in my city for a very long time and like now there's some podcasts that are starting to come up like shout out Oilers Nation shout out all these great shows um, that are finding their niche but it's like we're definitely at a point where we're still creating our scenes in a lot of different ways and I like that and I'm very proud and happy to be involved in that um but at the same time I'm sort of looking to jump jump into a scene that's sort of a little more established and see what I can do from there
0: yeah, I've been kind of feeling that same way because our comedy scene around here has been growing and I really like the family aspect that we've been kind of building. But at the same time, it's like I, I'm putting too much energy into building something when it's like I, I need to go work on something that's already established. Just go fall in place somewhere. You know what I right. mean? And that's the
1: thing. You You got to decide what you want to do. Like you look at some of the Canadian artists – in music, they they've some of them decided to like be known for the city that they're from and to sort of build that up and then create a scene in their city. Um, and then others chose to just become involved to whatever degree they they could in what was going on. And I think there's huge merit to both because when you get into that established scene, it brings just as big of a shine onto your country anyway. You know, it's like he, he right. made it to LA from where he's at or whatever.
0: Right, right, right. And it's not like it's easy to get into an established scene. It's just, you don't mm-hmm. have to have the stress of trying to build a scene.
1: Yeah, build a scene and then say, okay, now I'm going to go out and do these shows. And now I'm going to go do this and that. It it alleviates a lot of the pressure. And it's not taking the easy way out, because there's no easy way out
0: in the entertainment business. No, yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> the exactly. easy way
1: out is to quit.
0: So, Right, right. Know? Yeah, 100%. Where did you go when you went to Florida?
1: Um, I was actually I was in the hood outside of Miami unintentionally because I really had no knowledge of the area Um, and because I went for a music festival. So I basically said, "Okay, I'm going to get a a place near the music festival, which was at Hard Rock Stadium, not knowing that the surrounding area was probably the worst area in Miami, like (laughs) just uh, every window boarded up. People ask me if I'm selling crack like you know (laughs) that type of shit so I didn't even really get to see Miami proper but when I say I fit in like I was walking around there in sunglasses and I think people just assume that I live there and I wasn't getting looked at crazy like you must be lost or you're not from around here no one was looking at me you know no one's bothering me I even got some good comments you know some encouraging stuff so it was interesting (laughs) for sure but it definitely taught me like if you're going to go to a city like Miami, don't do it on the cheap side. Fucking this yeah. is like, because I've done trips to like BC, <coughs> Vancouver for music festivals where I'm spending 70 bucks for a place for the night and it's totally fine, but there's no cockroaches and there's nothing and there's no, you know, crime rates or things like that. So it's a totally different beast. Um, but that was actually two years ago today that I was there. on that Okay. Trip. Yeah. Come to think of it. <laughs> it's pretty funny.
0: So uh did you get any good interviews while you were down there at that festival? Um actually,
1: you know, that was a really eye-opening festival for me because at that point I had barely even started doing video stuff. I was just putting out the audio podcast and the, the odd in-person interview, but I wasn't doing like webcam stuff like this or anything. And my show was a lot smaller than it is now. And I seem to have a fatality that if I show up to this festival. That's the only missing key to getting interviews with Travis Scott, J. Cole, and all these people. I was a pretty young guy. Still, I still am, you know, but I showed up there and the few interviews that I did have didn't go through. And that's when I learned the scale of a festival like this and how many moving parts there are and how a music festival like that is a completely different beast than anything else. And I also learned that in a place like Miami, like there's Miami and Florida photographers in general that work for years to get at an event like that. And they build a community and that's the community that I'm not involved in. So I basically showed up to a random place and I was expecting them to roll out the red carpet for some kid from Canada with a handheld mic and no cameraman. It's like, I must've been on crack or something. Um, that's what you could say, but that's what I learned is that like, no one's going to roll out the red carpet for you. I could be in LA at the Grammys and I'd still get no interviews because I haven't worked hard enough yet.
0: Right. You got to make it happen. You got to get out there and force the issue a little bit.
1: And that's the harsh reality. And, you know, it was a great trip. I mean, I went with a friend from Canada that we'd only met once at a party and then we ended up sharing a house over in Miami and going to this festival. And, you know, it was like a a movie-esque story and weekend, um, but not podcast-wise. And that's when I learned, like, you can't just be walking up to major artists and, and like, you know, not only are you not owed anything from anybody, especially major artists, especially when they're here to make a million dollars to do an hour of performing, not to meet you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, that was that was the craziest shit that I learned, man. It was like, you know, and, and that's when I realized the importance and the value of sharing the stories of your local community and stuff like that, man. It's like I can't be skipping out on stuff like that and then expecting to get the red carpet out
0: right it was definitely a humbling experience for you it sounds like
1: which i so needed because like a- after like basically accomplishing and i'll be honest like i'll be completely candid you're getting the fucking unshaven candid interview here I- i'm telling you but like after the gene simmons interview at like 18 that was essentially my life goal to that point point. and i feel like it just like it made me feel like i could interview anybody And I really needed to be humbled in that way because then I learned like Gene Simmons in 2018 is not Gene Simmons in 1978 in terms of star power. Um, That's not going to translate to people who are at that level now. It's just there were so many things that I had to learn. And I learned it the hard way through that by maybe getting a little carried away with myself at that point.
0: Right. That had to be such a surreal moment for you, though. I mean, that's one of your biggest idols. That's, That's your favorite band. Um, what was that like getting to interview Gene Simmons? It was yes, yeah, surreal
1: is the only word. It was um, it was just it was something like my classmates would laugh at me when I said I was going to meet Kiss in the fifth grade type thing, you know, and like it was just always my goal. And I had been re- I had been rejected a lot of times because they they come to town a lot of times and I could never land the interview. But yeah, and it was surreal too the fact that the expo center the rule for all media was we don't care what who you're with we don't care if you're Ryan Seacrest there's no interviews with Gene Simmons period that was the the rule and gene overrode that rule in order to give me access and basically they just had to put their hands up and say if gene wants it we have to do it so the whole thing was just like it was a very emotional experience for me in a lot of ways man
0: yeah it's like how do you keep your how do you keep it together in that moment when you're actually doing it you know what i mean <laughs>
1: I barely did that one like even watching it now like and see just cuz it's cuz like when you watch yourself I'm sure when you do stand up like when you watch yourself it's a different completely different thing than what other people are seeing and I've gotten a lot of comments on how I'm not nervous in that interview but I was like barely conscious like I was near like pass the <laughs> fuck out like I'm this close to Gene Simmons and I'm just like forgetting all my questions and shit like I was fucking like like a kid in that interview you know what I mean but, uh, yeah, it was just some crazy stuff, man, for sure.
0: After watching – after going back and looking through your backlog of people that you've interviewed and stuff, though, now it's got to be – you could you could interview Obama or Donald Trump, and, and I feel like <laughs> it, it wouldn't be anything to you. You've interviewed so many people, uh, so many names. I mean – I mean, you've, you've had, like, all of Death Squad on your podcast. You had I, – I can never think of his actual name, but the actor who plays Leahy – uh, yeah, had, John Dunsworth. You've had Ace Freely, Gene Simmons like you've been on the church what's happening now. Um I think I already named like all of Death Squad. You've had all those guys yeah. involved. You, so you met them working the door at a comedy club in in Edmonton? No,
1: I sort of like the Death Squad guys, Joey, I mean, I met Joey online cuz I was re- reaching out to him I was an OG Joey guy, you know, and I would think I was the only young one, young buck in the group. Like now he's got people of all age ranges, but like, I think it was like 30, 40 year olds and me in his audience at that time. <laughs> right? I was on like the first five episodes of the church, like with the stick em days when he was using those, like, I don't even think that website exists anymore for live streaming, you know? And, um, but yeah, I just, I was just vocal with Joey and I just, I was just straight up and I told him what I wanted and, uh, I think, you know, that's all he was looking for. He was just looking for someone to be straight up and, uh, he respected it. You know, it's, it was just, it was just such a weird thing. Even just thinking back on it. Cause like, as you get older, you have more awareness and you, I think your respect grows for people and you know, your my, at least my respect has grown for like people giving me their time. Like what that actually means. Yeah. And you know, when you're a kid, you don't really understand that. Like to get a phone call from someone like Joey Diaz, like there's a lot of people trying to get that phone call and I appreciated it then, but as the days goes on, go on, I appreciate it more and more, you know, and like those guys like Redman, like always favoriting it when favoriting, when he saw it on Twitter and they were always just super supportive because I guess they just, I don't know. I guess they just didn't see a reason not to be, you know, and I always will respect that man. Like they didn't have to do that. You know what I mean? I could have never talked to any of them,
0: you know? Yeah. But then you ended up talking to all of them. Yeah, uh, how how old were you when you uh when when you interviewed the first one?
1: Uh, that was be twelve years old with Joey, and uh, yeah, man, it was because I I dropped him a message. He had first seen one of my YouTube videos actually, and he put it up on Twitter. And like, I swear, he was high as hell on edibles or something, and, like, <laughs> watching me do the cinnamon challenge yeah. when I was a young kid. Because that's what you did—you jumped on trends back then on YouTube. And he was like, this fucking kid's hilarious. (laughs) And I was just like, thanks, Uncle Joey. Like, you know, what's up? And then I got, you know, some people talking to me. So then I shot him a message with my phone number at the end, just talking about the podcast. And he actually called me. And uh, yeah, that's when we talked on the phone and we set it up. And uh, yeah, great interview. You know, so that led to Redman, Eddie Bravo, Duncan Trussell, Ari Shafir, and uh yeah, it was weird. You know, these were all the guys like listening to all the time, man. I was a huge fan of those right. guys. I still am. These guys are yeah, fucking yeah. Great, You know? I think Duncan was one of the best ones. Like, just... And seeing how far he's come now, It's that's the, the craziest thing, too, is that these guys were famous back then to a degree. But seeing how far guys like Tom Segura have come right. in the past 10 years, like, from doing a podcast in a loft to riding on private jets and having multiple shows on his channel and... Uh, all this stuff has just been—it's so crazy, man. And that's why I think we're seeing such like a connection right now between the whole church family and like all those guys are trying to do podcasts and reunite. Is because after ten years or something, you start to look back and be like, "This is really amazing." The whole thing is just incredible.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, also, I feel like people like you and me and and Freddie and that kind of synergy that's going on with the church and that network that. We have the same potential to be like a death squad. You know what I mean? Why not? Why not us?
1: Hell yeah, man. I mean, that's the thing.
0: uh, Like Rogan and Joey and all those guys and Segura, they're not going to be around forever. You know, so Mm somebody, somebody has got to take the reins eventually. And that's
1: the thing. It starts a second wave. You know, it starts... It's just like you look at anything, you know, you look at certain styles of movies, you look at certain styles of music, it starts a second wave. And then the people who are inspired by those original OGs, they carry it on, you know, and yeah, I think it's a beautiful thing to watch like the, and, and it's not, you know, that's the thing that separates, I think shows like you mentioned, you know, like the guys in the church who post their shows, like they're quality shows, like yourself, like Freddie, you know, I could think of a couple more. Yes. Um, anybody can start a podcast, but they're, these are quality shows, you know what right, I mean? Right.
0: Yeah, so anybody can out. start. Anybody can start a podcast, but to actually like have good production, have good mm-hmm. questions, stimulating conversations—you know what I mean? You can do a podcast all day, but if you're not having a stimulating conversation, nobody's going to watch. Nobody's going to stay tuned.
1: And if it sounds like you're at the bottom of a well, nobody's going to stay tuned. <laughs> yeah, you know right? what I mean, yet we've managed to avoid that with all these shows, and I think it's just because you know we're inspired by the best. You know, Rogan corolla diaz these guys are really the best at what they do um yeah it's it's a weird thought to think that those shows won't always be there because they've been there for so yeah. damn long man
0: yeah how long have you been doing stand-up now
1: cassius stand-up um i've only been doing it for a couple months man i can't believe i picked the worst time to, <laughs> to start right after <laughs> right before the coronavirus um but as, soon as you literally... start picking
0: up momentum it stops <laughs>
1: Yeah man, but I literally got the ch- I went on stage two times so far. Um and in those uh, in those months I've just been working on my material and really writing jokes. Um so I'm really hungry to get back on stage after this cuz I've been writing jokes in this quarantine and the thing about the quarantine and I don't know how if you've been feeling this as well, it's been giving me a lot of material personally.
0: Yeah, yeah. It's uh well cuz it gives you so much time to write, but Oh, yeah, <laughs> and and everybody's going stir crazy. You know what I mean. I can't, I can't look at my phone or what I, I can't fuck off. But for so many hours of the day before I start to like beat myself up. So then it comes time to write. You know what I mean. And when you're on yeah. lockdown for so many hours, you have that much more time to do it. Uh, but I've been trying to like not write just quarantine jokes or like mm-hmm. coronavirus jokes. I feel like that's hacky. Like to have, you know, everybody's going to come out and do like five minutes about the COVID. I don't want to do that.
1: No, it's totally true. It's like having your five minutes about Trump after the election. It's sort of just like, are we really going to go there right now? And yeah, it's true. And, you know, I have a couple of jokes about it, but definitely I've I've been trying to avoid it. And I feel like it's just, and I don't think it's directly related to the situation, but I've just been coming up with a lot of stuff. Um, I I think it's just because, like you say, about the time you know we we have the time to think about this stuff and like music ideas I've, I've been picking up the guitar more than ever um yeah time man like it's but between the the podcasting and comedy which one would you say like takes up the most of your your time
0: uh it's hard to say really cuz i do put it a lot on the back end of the podcast you know what i mean i don't just show up i make the flyers i'll sit there and and kind of research and study who's on my show and and go yeah. over like um, kind of like my reading and stuff for that week of what I want to talk about or where my head's going to be at. Uh, but shit, I do all that stuff with comedy too. I make, I, I, I've i been hosting all the local shows. So I make the flyers. I do the, so there, a lot of effort goes into both of them. I think comedy is more satisfying after the final product. You know what I mean? It's, mm-hmm. um, it's more fulfilling but I love doing the podcast too. And I find it totally necessary, like a good tool, a good accent for comedy.
1: Hmm. That's the thing. It, it ties in so well to if you're trying to really have any other aspect to your creativity, I guess, is a way to put it. Like be it music or stand up especially. Do you find that a lot of people who come to see you, is it related to your podcast? Like are the people who are listening to the podcast showing up?
0: Well, for me, you know, I'm, I'm backwards from you. The the podcast for me comes second. I started doing comedy in 2018 and started the podcast just last year. Um, but I definitely think that promoting it on the shows or at least saying, Hey, we're doing a comedy show this week, or, Hey, we're live streaming improv. I'm sure it helps. But, Mm -hmm. um, for the most part, I think people coming to my shows are just people that want to get out and laugh. Right. And then you a, can be
1: like, no, go ahead.
0: I don't think it's necessarily a byproduct of the podcast.
1: Right. So then you said you make flyers. So is it like, come see me and then maybe I'll tell them about the podcast. Is that how it kind of works or.
0: Um, I try not to, I try not to push the podcast on, on the show. Okay. You know what I mean? I don't, I don't yeah. want to make it all about me. I've, I've been mm-hmm. egotistical in the past. I've been super, you know, promote myself in the church type guy. And I've recently mm-hmm. stopped doing that. You know what I mean? If, if other people right. want to share my stuff in the church, that's fine. If other, you know, if another comic is going to be on my podcast and he wants to tell people to watch it, that's fine. But I don't want to take away from, especially since I'm the host of the show too, you know what I mean? I yeah. just feel like that's ugly. I don't want to take away from the other comedians time and, and focus off them by plugging my podcast.
1: Right. I feel you. Yeah. Cause I've seen like, you know, we talked, I think about working at a comedy club, like I've seen people do the complete opposite, like dropping a flyer on every table with their website and their social media. And I do think when you get to a certain level with it, it, yeah, it gets to be like, what are we doing here? Is this, is this a money farm? Like, are you trying to circle your, your viewers around? Like, you know, from your show to your podcast, like, what are you trying to do here exactly? Right. You know, it's like, people have come, they've paid for a show, let them enjoy their show. And then maybe that's it, you know? I, I, I do like that philosophy because I feel like there's there's a real level of integrity to that. Like, just, right. they've come for the art. I will give them the art, and there's no catch.
0: Right, right, right. It's not a bait and switch.
1: Yeah, and I, I do like that. And But again, like, I guess that's something I've learned through working at a club and, like, selling even merch for some comedians and stuff is there's levels to it, and, like, there's definitely a way to do it. Like, if you're going to do it, you know, if you're going to sell a T-shirt for a reasonable price, I think that's cool. You know, something like that. When it gets to the bumper stickers and the mugs and the incense and the condoms and the fucking action figures, I think that's when it gets to be ridiculous. You know, right. Um, but people still buy it. <laughs>
0: yeah. <laughs> I I think that if you're like if you're like a feature, you know what I mean? Or or um a headliner and. It's a classic three-person show, a host, a feature, a headliner, right? And you come up and do your time. I think it's totally okay for, say, Moshe Kosh or or Joey Diaz or someone like that of that caliber to go, hey, by the way, check out my podcast. But for me as the host of local open mics, to be like, hey, check out my podcast is taking away from somebody else. And I I don't want to do that. That makes sense. So
1: you'll so you'll like announce them, be like this person's from such and such and such. Yeah. I guess if you're a And if they
0: have a podcast, I'll pump their podcast.
1: Yeah. Now that's totally fair. Yeah. And it's funny because like I think a guy like Joey, like I don't think he does any and I've never seen him live, but like I don't think he would really even need to plug his podcast because I think most of the people are there for his podcast. You know what I mean? Right, right. And that's the beauty of it too. Right.
0: No, one hundred percent. 100%.
1: Have you got to see Joey live?
0: Yeah. Yeah. I got to see him live in Cleveland in uh, October of 2018. I met Joey. Mm. Oh man. How how was that? That was amazing. Um, I didn't get to talk to him for as long as you did and do a podcast with him for anything. (laughs) But uh, he he recognized me from the church group. He knew who I was and he kind of chatted me up a little bit. And um, basically him and George Perez told me to get my ass out to the comedy store nice because george opened for him uh that weekend and actually hung out with george a little bit that weekend too Mm. so um that's really cool yeah yeah so uh when the show was over you know um joey already knew who we were and shit because george had told him about us tripping acid at the motel the night before and stuff like that (laughs) oh really (laughs) so joey knew exactly who we were yeah yeah he was ready yeah he was ready man he, That's funny, God, he's such a loving guy, man. He's just got—he's a so cool much dude. Love. Oh yeah, yeah. He's—he's he's got so much love. Can you, sorry, can you hear my dog? He's being crazy right now.
1: No, it's cool, man. We're—we're we're doing the home podcast experience. People know—people know the deal,
0: <laughs> right? Oh, <laughs> um, I—I got
1: four, dude. I'm lucky they aren't making a racket. But man, I was about to go. Hopefully, I wanted to go see Joey because I was—I was so in love with Vegas. I was ready to go right back and see Joey at Treasure Island, but. It didn't work out. Now I'm kind of regretting it because that was like one of the last things he did really lately.
0: So who are some of your favorite comedians that you've seen live? Man, I mean, I think the number
1: one that I saw in terms of crowd reaction was Miss Pat.
0: Oh, Uh, yeah. She's got such an energy about her.
1: Yeah. Oh, she's hilarious. And she actually helped me get my job at the comedy club uh, because after I did the podcast with her, um, the club manager was there and he sort of, I mentioned that I lost my job because target in Canada closed. Uh, oh. So that was my first job at the time. I was like a 14, 15 year old kid. And I was like, yeah, targets closed. I'm out of a job. And he said, you know, we need a new door guy. And miss Pat was like, uh, you know, you could do that. You could see people, you could give them a menu. She's like, you know, she was trying to hype me up a little bit in front of the manager and she helped me get the job. So, you know, I really appreciated that. So that night I went to see her. And this was the first time I ever literally saw someone fall to the ground laughing. <laughs> I mean, th- this couple, like, she was telling this joke. I don't even know if I should repeat it. Let, let me, it's not my joke. She was trying to say a joke about how she can't sleep with Asian men because. The Asian man she was with, his penis was so small, she thought he was a female, let's put it that way. <laughs> and the second she hit that punchline, I literally watched this couple get up and like the guy was trying to hold himself up laughing and he <laughs> fell to the ground laughing. I've never, I thought that was a fable. Like I never, I never thought you'd go to the <laughs> club and see people rolling on the floor, like who the fuck? <clears throat> that And honestly, other than that, man, like Andrew Santino, TJ Miller, okay uh tj miller fucking hilarious man like he takes the microphone and he just throws it on the ground he's standing there looking at the crowd for like two minutes and everybody's just silent looking at him and he just screams i just realized i don't have to use this microphone and everybody just hears him perfectly and the fucking room just died man i was just like who comes up with this shit you know it's like some of these guys man it's insane
0: that's funny that's funny <laughs> how long did you work that gig for
1: That was about two and a half years I was at the comedy club.
0: Yeah, it was,
1: uh, it just ran its course, you know, but it was a really good opportunity because basically I came up with the contract with the club to where the headliners would do an interview with me every week. Oh. Yeah, so it was in their contract that they had to do the radio, and then they had to do my show, and that was what they signed to do the shit, so... I had like Dom Herrera, like Ari Shafir, like, you know, uh, Tom Rhodes, just people like that. And just week after week after week, get to sit down face to face and just pick their brains about comedy. So and some of of the times they let me stay clocked in and do it. So it was my first time ever like getting paid to do my broadcasting, you know.
0: That's awesome, man.
1: Yeah, man. So I'm always grateful to them for having me do that job like i still i just had lunch with noah from there uh one of the owners of the the franchise over in vancouver you know and like we were both door guys and now he's one of the owners and he's running clubs and like it's just so you know always love for them for sure man
0: yeah that's amazing dude and it's it's now that you're doing comedy it's cool that you have all that network kind of behind you you know what i mean yeah and it wasn't built off doing comedy so your relationship with them is kind of outside of that
1: yeah that's the thing man and i never want to be the guy when it comes to like even asking for advice i never want to be the kid in the message request like hey i want to start stand-up comedy any advice or the kid saying hey i want to do my first song any advice because then you're one out of five thousand people sending that same message they don't know you why would they want to help you if you sit down and you have a conversation an interview with somebody uh you know then you know them in a different context and then it can evolve from there if you guys hit it off it's a natural right. thing don't hit it off it's not going to evolve but yeah man like getting to go back and replay some of this advice from like these comedians when i'm asking them like okay hey, what should i do when i first do this and shit that shit's valuable that's true it's it's yeah it's, it's like a good archive
0: oh yeah dude um, I got like, I got like five minutes cash. I got to run another podcast. I got a late start on this. Yeah, yeah, It's my fault. Uh, is there anything that you want to ask me? I feel like I hijacked this whole swap cast template.
1: No, man, please. I, I got long answers, dude. So it's, it's, it's not difficult for it to get hijacked by me. Trust me. But I'm just curious about how you're in terms of being a comedian, like how are you adapting to not being on stage for so long? And how do you think this is going to change the landscape of comedy? That's what I'm, I'm curious about from comics.
0: Um, as far as adapting there, were, there was definitely a time there for a little bit where I was like, am I even funny anymore? Like, am I still, mm-hmm. am I still funny? Like, am I still going to be able to deliver my jokes and kind of have my voice when I get back on stage? Yeah. And, um, Then I had a moment where it kind of clicked and I was like, all right, I still kind of got it. You know, I I cracked a joke at the grocery store or something. I was like, all right, I still got it. It's, it's riding a bike. Now what I have to do is put in the work behind it, write the jokes and do that. I'm lucky because the other comedians in my scene were very much like a family. We work together a lot and we've been doing improv We've been coming to the podcast studio, actually. I'm in my room right now. But we've been going to the actual studio, which is like five steps away from this room. And we'll play improv games, kind of like whose line is it anyway? And we've been live streaming that. Uh, I feel that's such a good tool for helping improve your stand-up. Yeah. Um, now obviously for me, stand-up is more important than improv, but hmm. they do go together a little bit. They They do go hand-in-hand a little bit. And I know that, practicing this improv is going to help evolve and level up my comedy in the long run yeah Um, so we've been doing that and that's been really fun so i'm lucky personally that i have that group around me and the resources to be able to do that because not everybody else does
1: yeah man that's badass no definitely i think The improv is a really important component for artists, for comedians to to think about. Because, like, even looking, I think we mentioned the Jeff Ross thing earlier. Like, seeing him, you know, live on there roasting people. Like, he's still working on his roast skills, and he's still trying to do it. Um, But he's not doing it in person, you know. So that's super cool that you guys are doing that, man. So is that like once a week type of thing, or how often is that?
0: Yeah, we've been doing it once a week. So um, hopefully, that once a week keeps me fresh enough so that when the time Co- goes to do comedy again i'll uh i'll still have it but shit i exactly. was i was hosting three open mics a week and doing uh paid gigs on the weekends so i was really excited about all that stage time that i was getting because you know all our favorite comedians everyone that you've had on the podcast they'll tell you that it, you have to have stage time you got to get the reps you got to get the reps you got to get the reps and um
1: that's all it comes down to bro
0: yeah, and I was finally getting that, like I said, three or four times a week, and then now it's all taken, and I'm like, "Damn it! I was just getting that mo that really good momentum. Now it's gone." So, it's crazy. Uh, so,
1: yeah. how close are you guys to reopening?
0: I don't know. I don't mm. know. I think uh, I I think they're close to going back to like the ten people maximum, like uh mm. ten max in in bars and restaurants. You got to figure when they do that, even if I was like, Hey, I'll host an open mic for free. They're not going to want to do that. I'd rather have my restaurant filled up with 10 patrons than, uh, seven comedians that are only buying Sprite. Right. (laughs) And then, then you got to think even once it opens back up for a while, a lot of these places aren't going to have an entertainment budget for a while because they haven't been doing anything.
1: A lot of places won't even be able to open if you really think. That's the thing. Like we're talking about reopening when ninety—I'm not going to say ninety percent. A large percent of the businesses are nearly bankrupt or out of business. I mean, yeah. it's insane. But I, you know, at least here we've started a, a reopening plan. It's in phases, so you okay. know, like we can go out to parks now. Parks are open, stuff like that, which I thought they always were. Um, but you know, so we're we're starting to phase it in. So I'm hoping that we can get back to normal as safely and quickly as possible and like get this shit rolling, man. Cause I miss going out to shows. I miss stand up. I miss all this stuff, but I know it's not worth people's lives. So hopefully we can fucking manage
0: this soon. Yeah. In the meantime though, I think it's good for a young comedian, a, a, someone who hasn't been doing it as long, like yourself to uh, just have that time to write, you know, everybody's yeah. kind of on a stalemate right now. Just write, 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 write. Uh, mm-hmm. Cause we're, we're all in the same place. I put, I said on Facebook a couple of weeks ago, I'm finally in the same place as my favorite comedians. Home.
1: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, seriously. We're all at the base level now. So, and that, that's what I love about this. There's no excuses after this. If yeah. you're fucking not out there and getting your shit going, that's on you because everybody yep. has the hunger who wants to do it. They have the hunger and they're ready to go. So we're, now it's going to be interesting to see, to see how, how this goes.
0: Mm-hmm. who was wor- who was actually working hard enough who was disciplined who who wants it exactly yeah who who's it? gonna
1: make it through the quarantine and uh, have their their love of art and creativity intact that, that's sort of the challenge right now and yep. it is challenging
0: <laughs> yep it is it is um but this was great talking to you cassius man like i said i got another podcast i gotta do Yeah, man uh do you want to we, we got to do this again though sometime without a time limit
1: Hell yeah, man. This is yeah, I'm I'm down to come on anytime and you know, swap cast, whatever you want to do. If I'm ever out in Virginia, I'll definitely shoot you a message, you know.
0: Yeah, same if I'm uh, ever up in Canada.
1: Yeah, man. But Scott, thank you so much, brother. Definitely I appreciate your time, man.
0: Thank you. Should I appreciate your time, Cassius. You're the you're the legend, dude, not me. You're the prodigy, man hey man i 12, appreciate 12 you, years bro. old
1: 12 years old get the fuck out of here dude.
0: <laughs> it's all love bro i appreciate you lazy over here <laughs> <My> <laughs> you man. have a good day brother man
2: stay safe bro Peace.